it was absolutely surreal because I was still working while we were filming. So I would do, you know, a typical pattern for me would be five days sat in the office running some thermodynamic engine analysis. And then come the weekend, the glad rags came on and I was walking into the tent and suddenly had to be Baker Andrew. So my colleagues thought I was very dull at the time because I couldn't tell any of them. So when they asked me what I did at the weekend, I kind of had to shrug and say, oh, you know, not much watched a bit of catch-up TV, whereas in my head, I was thinking, I got Star Baker, you know, I was, I, I met Mary Berry again. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Bernadette Ballantyne. And I'm Alex Conacher. And in this episode, we are talking to Rolls-Royce aerospace engineer, Andrew Smith, to find out how he combined engineering and baking into an unusual but inspiring career. A career that's taken him from Rolls-Royce in Derby to the Great British Bake Off tent to the National Space Centre and most recently to Los Angeles to work on a smash hit Netflix programme called Baking Impossible where engineers and bakers work together to create cakes that can meet engineering challenges or missions, as they are described in the show. Until now, these technical and culinary worlds haven't really collided. At first glance, the two might seem to have nothing in common. But like an engineering project, baking requires detailed planning. Careful selection of materials. Sorry, ingredients. Precise measurement. Meticulous calculation of timings and temperatures. And attention to detail. It's little wonder then that Andrew, who studied engineering at Cambridge, did very well when he appeared in Series 7 of The Great British Bake Off in 2016. So well that he made it to the final and credited Leonardo da Vinci for inspiring his mechanical cog-shaped rotating pies. Support for this episode comes from Ground Force. Your solution, created by Groundforce Shawco, is an interactive standard solutions design tool created to offer easy access to standard solutions, saving time and effort to receive a temporary works design. Built by the award-winning team at Groundforce, this easy-to-use program puts our standard solutions right at your fingertips. Access is available 24-7 on mobile devices and desktops directly from the Groundforce website. All designs created are made available in the Groundforce Technical Library. Find your solution today on the Groundforce website. That's at www.vpgroundforce.com. And now, back to the episode. I definitely think the engineering helped me. I always say there's quite a few overlaps between engineering and baking that people don't think about which you know time management precision and that innovation combining things together are really important but where that stood me in good stead was when I had an unfamiliar challenge or especially in the technical challenge on the show when I went on even if I didn't understand what the full picture was meant to look like I was able to kind of break it down into manageable chunks and try not to panic which I think was was a skill set that comes from engineering as well quite often in our day jobs we are given problems as part of the reason that makes it so exciting things that we haven't seen before and it's up to us to break them down apply what we know find out where the gaps in our knowledge are and um you know work work to a solution so there's definitely a, a shared skill set there 
So, where did Andrew gain these engineering skills? And how did he end up in the Great British Bake Off tent? When I was younger, uh, I really wanted to be a pilot. I did some flight training. It was at a period where nobody was really hiring any pilots, so I decided it would be good to have a backup option. So I studied engineering and then very quickly realised I wanted to be the designer rather than the driver of an aircraft. So uh, then moved into jet engine design at Rolls-Royce and that is where I've been ever since. Initially, Andrew studied the thermodynamics of engines before moving into research at the whole aircraft level. I work in a strategic bit of the company where we're trying to predict the aircraft of the 2030s, the 2040s. So I get to run whole aircraft models with alternative fuels, things like hydrogen, or electric or hybrid aircraft going to be a part of the solution. And it's just fascinating having access to that kind of but you know people in the senior board we produce reports that go directly into the cto we get to see university research kind of fresh off the press and then putting it directly into practice which i kind of find thrilling so you know on one side we're quite far away from a physical product we kind of work in paper studies land but on the other side we have a really big strategic influence and i love that we get to see kind of the big picture Engineering Matters has been following developments in aviation with episodes on net zero jet fuel made from food waste Episode 113. And hybrid electric planes. Episode 21. There is a lot happening in this space. In November, Rolls-Royce announced that it had created the world's fastest all-electric plane. Its spirit of innovation reached 623 kilometres per hour, and its propulsion system and advanced battery technology are moving the entire market forwards. And this is just one of many technology options being developed to lower the carbon footprint of aviation. I think, I think it, it's going to be a very exciting decade for aviation because there's a lot of players at the moment. There's a lot of people putting bets in different places. I think it's only really going to be at the end of the decade. We're going to see how that, how that plays out. But how did Andrew go from analysing the thermodynamic performance of engines to meeting Mary Berry and competing with the country's best amateur bakers in a televised programme which sets three different baking challenges every week until just one baker is crowned the winner. It's only really when I moved away to university and then started my first proper job that I had a kitchen of my own to destroy and make mistakes in where my interest in baking kind of took over a bit more. And in all honesty, I'd only been doing that for a few years before I submitted my, my Bake Off application. Long-time fan of the show, didn't really think I was up to standard, but thought, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go. Friends have been egging me on as well that I should apply. And then very surprisingly, one thing led to another and then I get a call saying I'm gonna be in the tent. The Great British Bake Off tent with judges Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood and presenters Mel Gedroyt and Sue Perkins. And that's where the panic really sets in and you start questioning your your life choices and experience up to that point. And uh, I just started madly practising and ever since then it's been this, this wild baking journey that's become almost half of my career at the moment. Not many people know that the bakers are able to enlist a bit of help when it comes to the props they use for their cake creations. And again, the engineering came to the fore. Take those magical rotating pies, for example. I don't know whether to ruin a little bit of the magic for you here or not, but there was, there was some strategic stuff going on behind the scenes there. So yes, the pies did turn, but the platforms that they were on were turning as well. 
And this was where Andrew turned to some friends for help. So I had a few engineering friends, one of whom does some some blacksmithing in his spare time and the other one who's very handy with woodwork. And I was able to outsource some of my kit requirements to them. So I think that was version three of the rotating pie platforms. And then they also helped me make some tin moulds as well to my specification. But he was out, I think he bought several metres of aluminium and was out individually making all the little gear teeth for the pies. So it was a bit of a team effort behind the scenes. I had to execute it in the tent, but to be able to do that all in a week and have it ready to to turn up there, James and Helen, they they get credit for that where where credit is due. Andrew says there's lots of highlights from taking part in Bake Off, including the people he got to meet, who've become brilliant friends, and the personal development that came from completing 30 different baking challenges in a high-pressure situation. Having challenges given to you is very motivating. This is kind of the thrill of any competition, and there's a lot of things that we were challenged to make because we get a challenge brief, and you have a week, basically, to get come up with the solution and submit it. Week one, it said, make a mirror glaze cake. And I looked at all the elements that had to be in it. I thought, I've never made Genoese. I've never made this type of mousse before. I've never made a mirror glaze. I've never made the decorations. And having to solve that problem week on week was kind of a thrill because it pushes you outside of your comfort zone. It builds your confidence and it's the biggest learning curve of all. And it's a pace that I never would have matched myself at home because I never would have sat down and picked something myself to challenge myself with. It, that had to kind of come externally. So that was a bit of a lesson in terms of, uh, I think, in engineering as well. If you want to kind of improve your skill set, sometimes the, the, the point of challenge can't come from you. And that's where an external perspective can be useful because you'll surprise yourself at the bar you can, you can rise to when the challenge presents itself. Like most participants in the Great British Bake Off, Andrew found lots of media opportunities came his way once Series 7 ended in October 2016. But his favourite was working with the National Space Centre on a show called A Taste of Science, held at the Space Centre in Leicester. It was kind of food science meets space was the theme of the evening. So Andrew wrote a 30-minute demonstration. Which is where I first used the term, I guess, baconeering this combination of the disciplines of baking and engineering. And it's important to point out that Andrew isn't just talking about baking a cake shaped like an engineering structure. It's more than that. An example of what it is not is just making a cake in the shape of a plane, because I think sometimes that's what people think I'm doing, as I'm making something vaguely engineering-themed that's just pure cake. In my definition, it either has to do something like an engineering function, or it needs to have the same physical mechanism to be able to explain an engineering principle to a lay audience. The first Taste of Science experiment at the National Space Centre used food to demonstrate how a space shuttle re-enters orbit. And I just did a half-hour show and it was all around a baked Alaska to help explain how the space shuttle re-entered from orbit. And I did a live baked Alaska on stage and the ice cream which was protected from the heat was the analogy for the astronauts. And they worked with exactly the same physical mechanism, which is just air pockets acting as a really great insulator. So I did this demo on stage and we sold out that part of the venue. So then next month when they had another one, they said, can you you write another 30 minute one? So I wrote another 30 minute one and then that sold out too. And then the next one, we moved to the planetarium, which was a bit bigger and we filled that out too and we extended it to an hour. And I thought, I'm onto something here. This led to events with the European Space Agency and tours around Ireland, the UK and Spain. 
he was even asked to travel over to the US and present at universities. And it was there that he found himself meeting with Netflix to bring his concept to a global audience, pitching his idea for what would ultimately become the show Baking Impossible. So through a few connections and a few conversations, I then find myself sat at a pitch meeting in LA in the Netflix offices, selling the idea myself. And it went through a few iterations. So originally it was going to be me kind of as the head baconeer with an army of helpers fulfilling these challenges. And somebody had the amazing idea of, well, look, Andrew, you're maybe the only original baconeer. We're not going to find a lot of those ready-made. So let's put these teams together and then they have to learn from one another. And then you've got that wonderful kind of learning overlap too, which I think has worked fantastically. And there's some great kind of natural chemistry that comes out of that. The most interesting thing from Baking Impossible from a technical perspective is the challenge that each of the teams face every week. Each of the eight episodes involved a mission, from creating a remote control car that could navigate a series of obstacles, to building a gingerbread skyscraper that could withstand an earthquake. We have the same teams throughout the series and they're teams that haven't met before of a baker and an engineer. Bakers and engineers who are experts in their field from an electrical engineer at NASA to bakers who've spent their whole lives perfecting cakes, pastries and confectionery. And each episode they're set a challenge which culminates in a stress test and it's a different engineering discipline each week. So week one, for instance, is they have to make a completely edible boat that can sail down a channel. We provide the wind machines within a certain time frame. The only not edible bit they get to use is just a little servo rudder system. So ultimately, they have a fixed period of time, which increases over the series as the, as the scale of the challenges increases. And we lose one team each week and one team who wins gets a small advantage in the next mission, as we call them. And on the line at the end is a $100,000 prize. Each week, a different team is eliminated until in the end, only two teams compete for the $100,000. Three judges, including Andrew, evaluate the final products in terms of how well it met the mission specifications and performed in the stress test, and in terms of how good it tasted. Perhaps the most spectacular episode was week six, where the teams investigated the seismic resistance of gingerbread. I love the skyscrapers. Partly it's close to my heart because it was the first one that I kind of wrote down in full that we pitched. It was kind of part of the meeting that, that got us the series and it was the one in my head that was it's almost the most pure challenge because it has no inedible elements in it at all it had to be a hundred percent floor to ceiling completely edible and in 10 seconds everybody can understand the challenge and it was one of the stress tests that was the most exciting to watch would the towers move would they collapse and as the loading increased the fundamental design flaws began to emerge it was thrilling and everybody all the contestants were whooping and cheering they were hoping for some drama, but also they were cheering each other on. There was such a great atmosphere in the studio. And obviously I got to have a little box that said Bake Quake on it and kind of press the buttons. So it was kind of, you know, a little childhood dream of destruction coming true as well. Andrew says it was rewarding to see the flashes of genius that can often appear in engineering when a problem is being solved and creativity is being applied in a new way. And one was when I saw people coming up with their own edible epoxies or glues, where they were kind of putting these combinations together to get the right, the right balance of ductility and strength. And they were keeping the recipes secret and, and shelving them away for later in the show. And then in the skyscraper episode, I saw 
one of the teams using a glue gun that they'd retrofitted with tubes of isomalt so they could apply liquid sugar solution to their joints to be able to glue them together rather than having to dip them. And I thought, that is ingenious. That is that kind of design thinking. This creation of the right tool meant that this particular team could apply the edible glue to their structure in situ as it rose. And this was just one of the stress tests. Others were exciting for different reasons. I mean, I was manically laughing at certain points because there was a few of the boats that got carried over and you look at them and you think it doesn't take an engineer to work out that is going to flip over as soon as it hits the water. But there's a certain inevitability around the whole thing and also a surprise. I think I, I just find it great because it was almost like seeing the whole engineering process in a, a microcosm that everybody could understand. You know, the importance of testing and you know, a modular design or you know, troubleshooting, you, you can't just rely on it being right first time if you've not done it before. And I think that first week, there was a lot of overconfidence and bluster because these people were professionals in their own field. They weren't amateur bakers or amateur engineers. They were all amateur baconeers though. And I think that's what they, they forgot. They thought, I do this for my day job, especially the bakers, therefore it's going to be fine. And it was a real exercise in humility, but the stress tests were in incredibly exciting. In my head, I always loved Scrap Heap Challenge growing up. And this was kind of a combination of the Scrap Heap Challenge test that they had to do at the end, combined with the technical elements of Bake Off. So it's almost if Bake Off and Scrap Heap Challenge crash together, the Baking Impossible stress test is what would come out of it. Andrew's hoping that Netflix commission a second season, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating, or in this case, the viewing figures. And what if any of our Engineering Matters listeners want to give it a go? Follow me on social media at Cakesmith on Twitter or Instagram. Because if there is ever a, a a casting call, I will be pushing it out far and wide. And I would love to do an international version as well. But these are all just wild hopes at the minute. It's all in the lap of the gods. At a more day-to-day -day level, how did Andrew manage to do this work and continue working as an engineer at Rolls-Royce? Initially, when it all started with the Great British Bake Off, it was tricky. Yeah, it was quite difficult because there was a secrecy around it. It, it, sound, it all sounded very suspicious because I could only tell specific people. So luckily, my line manager was very supportive. And at the time, because I took it as holiday, it just meant that I had to be able to take holiday at very short notice, quite regularly, sometimes for a few days. So that bit was all right. The slightly trickier bit was afterwards when I wanted to do a bit more media stuff and I realised I couldn't juggle all the work, was moving to a four-day working week. At the time, in late 2016, Rolls-Royce had been overhauling and updating its flexible working policies, so making the change was more straightforward than he had anticipated. So it was actually easier than I thought it would be to move to a trial four-day working week for a period, which I then made permanent in my contract. So since 2016, I've worked a four-day week, uh, which is fantastic. I'm incredibly grateful for that. I know not everybody can do that and it helps that I work in the research side of the business so I can manage my own workload but you know without the company support then I probably would have had to make a fairly brutal decision for that year about whether I you know took a sabbatical or whether I shelved any other presenting ambitions. Andrew feels fortunate that his company was supportive enabling him to fulfill his ambitions but not everyone thought it was possible to combine his two passions. It was interesting the advice I got at the time from my colleagues was they were very cautious to me. They said, oh, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. It might be career limiting. There was quite a lot of negativity around this idea of either a braided career or following something creative on the side. And that was the biggest obstacle. 
which means that Andrew's advice to other people is don't be self-limiting. Follow your passions. There's often this this saying, you can't be what you can't see, which sometimes I disagree with because I think if you only looked at what the existing career paths were, you might not kind of forge one of your own and, and do this kind of braided career. And with technology evolving so quickly, there are jobs that don't even exist yet. I saw a fascinating stat by, I think it was the IET recently, that kids who are growing up today, by the time they're older, you know, 40% of the jobs that they might have don't exist yet. can't remember the exact percentage, but I think that was a lower estimate. So if 20 years time in your career, there might be some opportunities that don't yet exist. So I wouldn't feel the need to self-limit. I feel sometimes we, we put ourselves into a box and think, oh, well, I, I studied this all my life. I have to stay in this. I'll go down the traditional career trajectory. That didn't really work out for me. And actually, it's much more fun and exciting to be a little bit making it up as I go along, taking advice along the way, but getting that creative fulfilment as well as the technical fulfilment. Because after all, engineers are people. And if we're to inspire the next generation of engineers, it's important to connect on a human level. I always think it's good if you're talking about what you do, especially to a young audience, bring your whole self to the table. Don't feel like you need to stick exactly to the corporate line. Throw a bit of your personality in there, which often requires a bit of vulnerability, but it shows that, you know, engineering isn't what we're 100% made of. We're all complex individuals. And I think that's what we need to reflect the next generation if we want to show engineering for everybody. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was produced and hosted by Bernadette Ballantyne. My co-host was Alex Conacher. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. And our own sugary treat is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Andrew Smith of Rolls-Royce, who you can follow on Twitter or Instagram at Cakesmith. Baking Impossible is currently available to be streamed from Netflix. If you enjoy Engineering Matters, which you can find on all podcast apps and on the Engineering Matters website, share us on social media and sign up to our newsletter.